Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Mino Line Media presents the Business First Podcast. Hi, all, and welcome to a new episode of Business First with Sonia Aline. I am your host. And today, I'm really excited about the guests that I'm going to introduce to you today. First of all, um, I've watched this young man grow up, so I'm super proud of everything that he's done and and accomplished. His mom is a good friend of mine, and um, yeah, I'm really happy to have him here. Um, But the other piece is, um, in preparation for this interview, um, he sent me down the the rabbit hole uh, researching, and I learned all of these amazing things about the the institution of of barbering. And so one thing I wanted to share before we get started is, and I didn't know this until until today, that uh, for the most part, from the 1800s, roughly from the 1800s until the early 1900s, particularly after slavery, barbering was a, the premier, a premier opportunity uh, for job opportunities and for wealth for African-Americans in our community. And that they, um, they're, they're, their um, customers were primarily prominent white men until white men started to get into the field. And so we all know that barbershops are really important in our community. They've been a really important part of our discussions, political discourse, debate, and they've been a really good uh, place for community, a place where you know men have been able to come together and just discuss things that they are passionate about in a really um, safe space. And so I'm excited to have uh, Darius Davey talk to us about his uh, the, the business plan that he has around this old tradition and how he's he's updated it and and, and brought some um, new flavor and new and 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 repositioning what community can look like for um, for an overall community. And so I welcome Darius Davey, who is the owner of Groom Guy. Welcome, Darius. Thank you so much for the so sweet introduction. Uh, thank you for having me here today, Sonia. Yeah, I'm really, as I, as I mentioned, really excited to have you here. Um, understood, you know, the history, the importance of what barbershops can represent in in our community. But why don't you tell us a little bit about, you know, what you thought about before the inception of Groom Guy and how you got here? Sure. So it began during a time where I was uh, had an interest in the in the industry, probably probably about six six years ago, um, I, I kind of like you went down this uh, rabbit hole. I was looking for something. I was searching for something more. As I was routinely getting my hair cut, um, started to just get this curiosity about the business itself, about the culture, um, and because I found myself like many of us going there um, and and finding sanctuary in this place uh, where I could confide in with my barber and talk and 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 discuss you know current events and all of these other things that were happening within the space 
uh, particularly in a space in, in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, where I was getting my hair cut. Um, and the barber there was also a designer as well. I was just fascinated, quickly fascinated by the idea that there was all these different realms within that was going and, and kind of being built within the barbershop space. Um, and so it, it started to quickly go into a deep dive. I started to learn about the history of the barber the barbershop, the American barber, as you were talking about those dates from, you know, late 1800s to early 1900s. Um, and I started to recognize black prominent barbers who, uh, to your point, were a, a, an establishment of the early middle class. Um, and so, you know, years later, I said, you know what, I want to commit to going to school. I want to understand the hair industry at a high level, uh, which included, you know, different cultures, different facets of the business. And before I knew it, I said, okay, I started to do some education. I started to learn and really grow passionate for it, but then discover how I can be a problem solver within the business. And so I think Groom Guy at its early, at its, at its early stages started to, started to become, started to birth itself. Yeah. So you, like so many other um, entrepreneurs who we've interviewed over the past, you know, couple of years, started your business really in the height of the, the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. talk to us a little bit about how you, you were working for, if I get it correctly, you were working for a barber that closed during the pandemic, but that was your impetus to actually start your own hair grooming business. That is correct. That is correct. So at the height of the pandemic, I actually, the salon that I worked in for many years closed down. Um, and so I was kind of forced to, to figure out what, what my next move was going to be. Um, and this is also at the point of me retaining all the information and knowledge and history and business, all of that. I started to realize, okay, if I can somehow formulate this into a model of sorts that becomes a solution to a problem in hospitality, crafting a little piece of history that I've seen before and kind of refine it, maybe there's something there. And in the height of the pandemic, you're forced to try. You know what I mean? Industry is interrupted. Community has kind of been broken apart. So you're you're put in a unique position to say, okay, the worst thing that can happen is that this doesn't work, right? But if we're going to be here in this pandemic where things are unpredictable, I might as well give it a shot. Okay. And is, and I wanted you to expand a little bit more about that. Like when you said, you know, I might as well give it a shot because you literally just put on a backpack mm -hmm. and you became a, a mobile barber. And so what did, did you have an idea of where, and, and we're going to talk about all the amazing things that you've established just recently, but did you think, what were, what were your thoughts when you put on your backpack and you started to do, you know, mobile personalized barbering was the goal in the back of your mind, you know, I'm going to actually set up this, this, this shop here, or was it, you know, I just need to make some money and, you know, let me, let me see where this takes me. It was a little bit of both, Sonia, to be honest with you. Um, the goal at first, yes, was to make was to make some money um, because prior to that, I wasn't working for, for about a month and a half. So I had to figure out a way to keep clients and clients who still served either in government, clients who served in television. I had to find a way to still service them, right? Because they still needed those grooming, those routine services met. Um, I wanted to find a consistent stream of income as, as what I was used to. Um, but I, I knew at the same time that packing my bag and going out there was also a litmus test to test and see if this works. Take notes along the way. So I would come home, I'd pack the bag, come home, 
see see what works. Okay, this person is coming back or wants me to come back every three weeks. This is what the product that they like. Hey, if if I moved here in a space like a hotel, is that something that would interest you? Right? How do you integrate private service and also leverage like, you know, you think about real estate and where you want to place yourself? Because I just saw a salon that was massive closed down, right? right. All of this real estate, right. large, huge. And so I said, you know what? I'm learning from this. I don't want to run into that same scenario, right? But I also want to create something that feels kind of intimate and private. Um, and so it quickly, you know, that's when that's when the blueprint and the business plan started to kind of, I was able to sketch it. I was able to sketch it enough to know, okay, after two months, I have something here that I can pitch or present to a hotel in the middle of the pandemic. And I'm glad you said that, too, because I think some people think that you have to have everything laid out before you get started. And I love that you in the midst of the work is how you really understood, you know, the marketplace, your customers and how you could best figure out how to move, how to move forward. Yeah. And so how is it? So so for our audience, um, if you're interested in in barbering services, you can visit Darius and Groom Guy at yours truly, which is based inside of a hotel, which yours truly is a hotel. And Groom Guy has a spot inside the hotel. How did that come about in, in, in 2020? During the pandemic, while everything is closing down, where everybody's unsure about what kind of partnerships they want to make, how are you able with, you know, the backpack guy, how are you able to solidify a partnership with a boutique hotel in the middle of Washington, D.C.? A lot of, uh, to be honest with you, a lot of it, in, 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 no, it's not a lot of it starts with, it continues with our business model, which I always like to say we have some of the greatest clients in the world at Groom Guy because this business is built off relationships. And I and I say that because it was through a client where I was able to, you know, present what I would like to do, where that client said, you know what, this is an opportunity that's unique. I think this is different. I can connect you with someone else, right? Who then you will have to, you know, you can present to the hotel. But by then you already have your blueprint. You've already tested the model. You've already taken your notes. You're understanding consumer behavior, right? And so when you present that to people who are in a position that seems a little, not frantic, but it's kind of broken because they're in in the hotel industry. No one's there to occupy spaces. You come as a solution. And I always say that when you are able to become a solution, you can accelerate your process. And I think that's exactly why, because they realize, wait a minute, we have an opportunity to be unique, to stand out and build something that's low risk. Financially, economically, it it also has to make sense. You also don't want to stretch yourself so far out there that you stretch yourself too thin. And you can take something in phases. The exciting part about something like this is when you communicate this idea, it was, you know, you tell them, hey, if you don't like it, this is something we can pack up or we can go and we can say that we tried it. So you gave them an out. Gave them an out. Yeah. (laughs) But they didn't take the out. (laughs) Yeah, quite the opposite. And so what was part of that process like? So you went in and you pitched the idea and what was their response? Like, we'll give you a trial. We'll, you know, we'll, we'll figure something out. Or did they allow you to just come in and design what you had, what you had in mind? So they definitely started with a trial. Uh, they get they gave me a trial period of three months 
and didn't have much option. They, they have, you know, a lot of these hotels, boutiques may have, you know, different rooms or areas of uh, large amounts mm -hmm. of real estate. But in this case, they gave me a space that was perfect because part of our business is also having visibility as we are now mm -hmm. amenity spaces. But visibility is a big, uh, big part of how we're able to, you know, continue to attract clientele. Um, so the space that I was in was a relatively small space. We were able, I think what really captured their attention is design. We were able to stretch mm -hmm. their imagination with how giving them a room that they initially built out, which was a pantry room and converting that into a barber studio and, and breaking it into phases. So the exciting part about that for them is that it challenged them. It challenged them because they had an initial plan of what they thought this room was going to be and now have reimagined it into now what's in a, a, you know, a featured amenity for the hotel. So it puts into, it puts into not question, but more so like, how do we integrate this further into our hospitality pipeline? Uh, because now we're also recognizing that this business model has a law, has a, has a large opportunity for retention. So we have people who are now not just coming in for staycations. These are people from the neighborhood that are coming in once a month. How do we, we're finally keeping them engaged, right? We have to, we now have another area of focus for us to really be a landmark in the community. And so three months, what was that? And, and for the purpose of, of the audience, um, when you got the three months, was that, that can seem like a lot of time, but it can also seem like no time at all. And so did you feel a lot of pressure in terms of like, if, if, if someone in the audience is saying, you know what, I've been given a three months trial, like, how would you recommend somebody manage that time to be as effective as possible? Absolutely. So I was able Sonia, to, to kind of calendarize everything, um, have a journal okay. and break down week by, you know, have uh, a week of what my tasks were. You know, what, what was my task okay. in terms of my numbers? What was I trying to meet? Um, and who was I trying to meet? That was another big part of it as well, was they knew that it was a new concept for them. So there was some flexibility there. However, I had to also position myself understand and know people within the within the the hospital the hotel and hospitality space to really kind of get the engagement rolling and getting them to really understand what the overall vision is and so that way they can see month after month okay this person is making progress whether that's through numbers economically or whether that's through you know we're you know we're seeing our, our design or we're seeing such a positive response thankfully for us in three months we were able to do both which was continue to have engaging press in, in local media, as well as having a high retention of people come, returning back to the hotel. In a matter of several months, you went from a mobile service to a luxury brand with one location, and now you have a second location. Tell us about the second location. So the second location came about from the work that was done at Yours Truly, where the team there was saw what we were able to do Mind you, it's now been over a year. Um, so what was three months? It went to six and now went to, to 12. And thankfully, there were there were early discussions about another space opportunity in Florida uh, where we were actually celebrating our one-year anniversary event at the hotel uh, at Yours Truly when, when we received an email from the owners of that property saying that they heard about us, they were familiar with our work, and we would be interested in taking on this new challenge, or at least visiting, at least visiting the property. Because that's, that's always the starter. You know, Absolutely. One thing we always know is not every opportunity is for us. Um, however, when we, when we were able to visit the space and see it, I felt it. I, I just knew this is where the next space that it had to be in. And so, you know, putting my heads together and, and, and was able to establish a team 
you know, thankfully. And and it presented a new challenge because I'm not, you know, physically there. Um, however, it allowed me to recognize when it was time to, te- to build a team and assemble a small team, people of agents, if you will, that I was able to go out there and, and you know, beside myself, communicate the brand, you know, hiring the talent. About 10 months or so, the second place uh, location in Florida is up and running. But this new property in um, in Florida is the PGA. And so, which is a very prestigious uh, property. Um, it's a very particular property in yeah. terms of, um, when I say particular, they're very particular about their partnerships um, because of, of the brand. But you were able to partner with uh, Venus Williams, who through her business designed your shop. And so tell us a little bit about, you know, your connection, how you connected with Venus Williams and what it is about the PGA, that environment that felt right for your for your brand as a, as a partnership? Sure. So we were able to connect with, with Venus um, and, and her V-Star team through, once again, having the greatest clients, having a team and having a network through a client of ours within Groom Guy. Who was able, who worked in real estate, and so who was familiar with her her design firm. So once they connected the dots, set up an introduction, we met with their team in Florida. Once we did our visit, told them about our vision, who we are, groom guy, what we represent, and we found out internally that they really enjoyed us. They really enjoyed the work that we did. And closer to our opening, our, our formal uh, soft launch is when we got the big surprise that Venus was there and and not only there but to tell her, her tell her herself that she was um, excited about who we are and what what we were doing in a space like this you know in, at PGA which as you said is a prestigious brand very you know very uh, particular as prestigious as they are they were kind of they were looking and wishing to move into a new direction of lifestyle partnerships they wanted to make the first step in taking a chance as well as yours truly saying, yes, this is who we are as a, as, you know, as a legacy brand. However, we are stepping into a new phase, which does mean we're going to have to turn our heads a little bit and look and see what's around and, and see what's worth giving a shot. And I also knew going into that, that with Groom Guy, I had to just come in there, you know, straight ahead with everything, everything ready, just being ready, you know, and I, and I, before getting into PGA, I knew I had to be ready, having a case study, having a business plan, having all my materials, because I didn't necessarily know what was lined Um, up yet. I have so many questions. But I was prepared for it. Yeah, absolutely. How are you selecting, you mentioned, you know, picking your team. Florida is not very far away, but it is far when you're talking about managing, you know, an extension of your business. And so again, for people who are struggling with finding the right people or um, hiring the right people, what is there a process that you go through? How is it that you know that the people you hire are good people for your business and a true extension of your brand? A, a lot of it is, 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 trying to see if they've kind of been in a similar uh, situation where they've been forced these challenges and how they've, you know, have they been able to push, push through it. Um, kind of forward thinking is what really helps uh, me. I, I, it's, it's, you can have people who can just do a job, right. And have their basic uh, responsibilities. That's listed kind of bullet point, but it's something about building a team that wants to build towards all, all having the same vision, collective vision, right? If we are able to be all on the being on the same page of what, what the end of this race looks like, 
I think uh, a lot of the times that's what's going to help you because you they, they have some sense of direction and everybody feels like they're contributing something um, as opposed to just giving someone a job, right? We at Groom Guy want to continue to be, you know, a force, uh, a positive force and impact, impact force in, in hospitality, right? We believe that we can do that through our servicing, through our cultivating of community, and then, you know, offering uh, uh, primary products and services too. And, and so if people can all kind of gather around that idea and making the world better through and talking about men's wellness and health and care, and we can have that and be the lead, one of the leaders of that discussion point, then I think we're all on the same page. But if we're just looking to have a job, yeah, yeah sure, I'm, I'm sure that'll work out for you. But in the long run, collectively with our vision, you may find some bumps in the road. Um, talk to me a little bit about uh, mentorship. Um, when you opened at the PGA, you had um, one of the people that you invited along was a longtime mentor. And we all know the importance of mentorship or what it can mean for people. But what has mm-hmm. mentorship meant for you in this journey mm-hmm. um, in developing, creating a business and then developing it? I, and to your point, Sonia, you know, we, we, we hear the phrase and the word mentor all the time, right? And, and what that may look like for some people. I think for me, over time, it's, also, it's allowed me to communicate uh, my weaknesses, to be honest with you, and, and finding someone who is who's able to, to listen and pay attention to the, to those points. Um, not I, I, I'm not the person that's looking for what I want to hear. Right? I like to I like to hear the the hard stuff. You know what I mean about my about myself. And sometimes that mentor is there when I can commute when I'm learning to communicate who I am and what I want to be as an entrepreneur. Um, as a as an as a stylist as a as a leader, all of those value points are really important to me. And a mentor for me, particularly this person, Von Accord, has has been that person over the years. And watch and watch me uh, grow. And to be honest, it's not always um, someone who's like micromanaging where we're talking every week. We haven't had that level of consistency, to be honest with you. But. I know when we do spend that time together, it, it is really um, in, enriching, you know, because I'm able to communicate more things about myself. Um, and he shares, you know, his tons of wisdom that he's had over the years. How have you managed feeling? I mean, you come across very confident, very strong, very sure. You know, you've put in enough time where you really do understand your business. How do you manage those moments of fear, of anxiety? of um, feeling unsure or the moments when you do feel a little unsure or unsteady, how do you get through those moments? It's funny as you ask that because we're in we're in this self care health and health, wellness part of the industry, right? So I'm always trying to have little coping mechanisms and things that I things that I do to take care of myself um, to 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 you know ease the process because that's where it starts. The the hardest thing you know is being able to look at yourself in the mirror every day. I think for a lot of people mm-hmm. because they have to see everything about themselves the good the bad and the ugly right it's never ugly it's all just insecurities and things that we have to just kind of face head on and i've gotten to the point where i'm okay with that i'm happy of who i am but also excited about where i want to be so when i think about all the things like the difficulties and the and the struggles i'm just reminded that it's all i mean it's cliche but it really is all part of your journey and you just have to find little things within yourself that make what I call make your everyday better. How do you make your everyday better? Is that is that your routine? 
because I believe at Grim Guy, we believe a routine is one of the most powerful like human behaviors that you can do to cope with all of those things, you know? And once you recognize that, once you find the joy in that, once you practice that, whether you, and once you activate it during a, your own personal storm, you'll start to see a level of development that you never thought you were really capable of. Whether it's, and many of us were challenged with that during the pandemic. And a routine for a lot of us was probably the only thing that got us through it all. Reading your book, cooking, um, uh, meditation, going to church, calling your family members, all of these things, talking to your partner, getting a dog. I mean, there's all of these little th lifestyle things that I, as I just shared, were things that I started to implement in my life that made my everyday better. Tell us a little bit about your services. So if when, when we book our appointments for, for Groom Guy, what can we expect when we walk in the door? So at Groom Guy, you can book directly. Well, there's two ways. You can scan on your phone. So actually at yours truly, you can scan right on phone. There's a sign uh, on the QR code. You can scan right on your phone, opens up to the website, opens up to the booking appointment system. And you are able to get our signature services, which are our haircuts, our beer trims. Um, let's see what else we have here. Yeah, we have our trims. We have wedding packages as well. So you can inquire about wedding packages for your groomsmen. Um, you reach out to info at groomguy.com and, and someone will speak with you there in regards to the, our two locations, both Florida and in D.C., um, you know, Maryland area, Virginia area. So those are the two ways to do it all is online and then you can as well call to book your appointment. Are your plans for Groom Guy to be a national brand or an international brand? Oh, I like the way you think, Sonia. I don't mind international. That has a nice little, <laughs> you know, <laughs> might get a passport to get to another location. But um, okay. for now, for now, I, a national brand is something to be said about that. And the reason I say national brand right now, too, is because I go back into the history about this, about, about barbering and about this thing that we love so much. And, and the, those who did it before me, who are American, and these names in history uh, that we've never heard of. And I believe that we can leave our same our same mark as an American brand, you know, on American soil, being able to do this. Not not discounting international influence. I'm all for it. I'm all for it. But however, there's 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 something to be said about, you know, recreating what once was and giving it a new a new face. And here we are. Yeah, I, I I love that, and I would I would encourage our listeners to um, those of you who are, are research inclined um, to look up the history of barbering and African American barbering um, in this country. It's it's a, it's an interesting uh, history. That the history of of men's grooming is is interesting overall. I, one of the other things I learned, Darius, was that it, during the Middle Ages in England, I don't know if it was all over Europe, but the the barbers were the surgeons because they understood how to use um, cutting devices. And so they were the surgeons apart from physicians. And it wasn't until much later that they separated themselves to, um, you know, become actually uh, physicians. So again, to your point, uh, there's, there's such a rich history in, in the world, but particularly in, in this country. And so, um, yeah, I hope that our, our listeners will come and make appointments with you, but tell us how we can find you. I know it's groom, groomguide.com. Um, how can we follow you on your social and all of the other platforms. Yes. So every everything is consistent across the board, folks. It is Groom Guy. Instagram, Facebook is facebook.com slash stay polished, which is our tagline. That's stay polished. S-T-A-Y-P-O-L-I-S-H-D. And then everything else is Groom Guy. 
all consistent. But you can reach out. You can reach out to me as well, Darius at GroomGuy.com. Okay. And so is there anything else that we should be looking out for in the next, let's say over the summer? I mean, I know you're, you've just settled in uh, for, the, for the audience. Uh, Groom Guy in, at the PGA opened in March. And so that's, that's brand new for you. Are there any other openings that you can share or are there any other product releases or anything else that we should know about um, coming up this summer? Sure, Sonia. So we are excited to announce our first product collaboration. Um, I cannot uh, disclose with who yet, but we will be launching um, our first nice. uh, first line of products for around the Father's Day window. So we'll be having something special launched on Father's Day, Groom Guy related product on GroomGuy.com and with our partners. Uh, we are we are very excited about that. Um, one other partnership I am excited about too that's happening specifically oh. at the PG. GA is with um, McAllen, um, McAllen uh, Whiskey. And so we were able to launch a, a partnership with them that we are very excited about. So there will be a bunch of different activations going on at the PGA Resort. And then lastly, we have a two-year anniversary event at Yours Truly in May. We'll be celebrating two years at the hotel. So we're excited about that as well because we have new partners um, on that project, on that property, which is IHG, IHG Vignette Collection. So we're excited. Very, very cool. You know, before we let you go, one more question. What advice would you offer to listeners in selecting the, the right partner? Always tie it back to your vision. Always tie it back to your vision and write that vision down and you make it plain. And if what that partner is offering doesn't align right back up to what you've written down, then there's some talks or negotiations that need to happen or you know that's not the right one for you. Right. And I'm glad you said that too, because sometimes just the name, you know, you just go, oh, just the opportunity to partner with someone big um, can get you so excited that you forget about whether or not there's an alignment with you, with your brand and, and their brand. So that's right. Darius said, make it plain, make it plain. So Darius, thank you so much for making time um, to be on here. We are the, the aunties are super, super proud of you. And um, yeah, like I, I look forward to having you back. Um, the uh, the team here looks forward to having you back. Um, as you grow and develop, we're wishing you great success. And yeah, and we're going to follow, we'll follow your progress. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for the time, Sonia. It is, first of all, I congratulate you for everything that you've been doing here. And I'm more than happy to come back. Um, the journey is just beginning for both of us. So I will be, uh, I'll be more than happy to return. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you all for listening and tuning in. We'll be back again next week with another great guest. The Business First Podcast is hosted and produced by Sonia Aline, executive producer Ken Johnson. Find the Business First Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Odyssey, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcast. On social media, on IG, at business underscore first underscore podcast. Follow the Mean O'Line Media Podcast Network on IG at Mean O'Line Media. Get the Mean O'Line Media app in the App Store or Google Play. The Business First Podcast is a Mean O'Line Media production. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. 
Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.